Hello and welcome to your GG Replay, the first GG Replay of 2022 for Monday, January 3rd, 2022. GG Replay is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show where we break down the latest in gaming news hosted by us, the Goodnight Groofs, a place for games and a place for goofs. You know what? We're still workshopping the slogan, but coming into 2022, it sure does sound good. My name is Paul and I am joined as always by Matt. How are you doing today on this fine first GG replay of 2022, my friend? Well, happy new year, Paul. Happy new year. New year, new groups, I think. Uh, are there or do we have new groups? <laughs> well, it's it's we're we're, we're renewing new. ourselves is what we're doing. You know, every seven years, your all the cells in your body have changed over, and you are no longer the same you, Shipotheseus style. Oh, that's a little terrifying, actually. Existential dread to start your uh, gaming podcast off for the day. <laughs> that reminds me of the whole idea of uh, teleportation, and like, oh. if you teleport, if we ever get to a point where we can actually do that, and it's deconstructing yourselves and then replicating yourselves, are you still yourself? Are you the same person? Because there's a break in your consciousness, so you're kind of like a clone. And people say like sleep, maybe you go to sleep and you wake up, that's kind of a break in your consciousness, but it's not really because there's like dream. But some people say it's almost like there's like a feeling of you go to sleep and you wake up a new person and you think you remember you're the person from yesterday, but I mean, you, you, you broke your consciousness kind of, which is kind of crazy, right? Like it's, it's weird when you think about it. So I guess that's kind of what the cloning would be like. Like you go in and then you wake up on the other side. It's just like, it's not, it's, it's a different you waking up on the other side. Yeah, I guess strange. we we live and we die every day. Then you know. Yeah, right. It's it's kind of <laughs> weird. It's kind of weird. Uh, we would feel. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, this is a gaming podcast. It's called GG Replay, this? and this one here, it's not metaphysical milkshake. There is going to be no Rain Wilson here today. Uh, we are just here to talk about video games. And uh, if anyone over at that podcast wants, to, I don't know, sponsor us or something, that'd be great. <laughs> Matt, uh, you, do you have anything else to say in the intro here? Or do you want to get into the show? I'd like to bring on our special guest for the day. Rain Wilson is hey. here, actually. Hey. Hello, everyone. I that's I don't know how to Michael. That's my Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica. That's my, yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh all right. That's my Rain Wilson impression. Oh no, I just got a cease and desist from NBC Universal. Oh no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> they said uh you can be Rain Wilson, but you can't say the lines from oh, the show. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, let's move into the show because we're never going to be on topic if we don't do it. Corrections and comments from the previous episode. It's important to keep these in mind. If you come across any necessary corrections in today's episode or just want to leave us a comment, you can send an email to ggreplayshow at gmail.com so we can address them in the next episode. Matt, no reviews today. Still no games coming out, really. It's not really the game coming out season, but my goodness, my goodness, it will be a regular debutante ball of games the rest of the year because games will be coming out like crazy. Uh, it's going to be a regular stonewall of games because games are going to be coming out like crazy. We're talking about Elden Ring. We're talking about Breath of the Wild 2. You know, why am I even talking about this? <laughs> you gave, you could have given so many games. You gave two games. One of them doesn't have a release date. <laughs> and one of them comes out like next week. <laughs> this year is going to be crazy. One game comes out next week. One might come out this year. <laughs> if it does, it'll be 12 months from now. All right. We're having a little bit of a fun time here, I think, because, you know, it's the first, first show of the new year. It's going to be a great year. We're really, really excited to have everyone all on board with us. But this this kind of sappy stuff is saved for the end of the show. So let's get into the beginning of the show. The only way to begin is by beginning. The next video game from Bioshock's Tour 
is in development hell. Not good. This story comes from Bloomberg. Ken Levine, of course, a resident auteur behind, you know, System Shock, Bioshock, that kind of stuff. His latest game with his new studio has been in development for over eight years. Levine is, of course, best known, like I said, for writing and directing Thief, System Shock 2, Bioshock, and Bioshock Infinite. Some pretty big accolades, a pretty great pedigree right there. Uh, Here's some quotes from the story, just to give you an idea here, background, then we can kind of talk about this. Quote, many Ghost Story Games employees readily blame him for the tortured project. Levine is a flawed manager who often struggles to communicate his vision and alienates or browbeats subordinates who challenge him or fail to meet his expectations, say current and former employees, most of whom requested anonymity because they feared repercussions. Uh, Another quote here, goat, uh, quote, not goat, (laughs) that's a very different game. Ghost Story employees would occasionally ask Levine how long Take-Two would fund their experiments before demanding a product it could sell. Levine told the staff that their studio is a, quote, rounding error for the publisher of Grand Theft Auto, according to two former employees, Michael Pachter, an an analyst at Wedbush Securities. Uh, With enough time, Levine offers Take-Two, quote, a realistic chance of a new franchise, like Bioshock. He says, I expect they will continue to allow Ken take as long as he needs to make something great. So, yeah, I mean, Matt, here, give us your take on this, because I think that's kind of, you know, you're you're someone who kind of followed follows Levine a little bit and you follow definitely like you were very you kind of came back to, to gaming mainstream in 2013 because of Infinite a little bit, right? Yeah, Bioshock Infinite is really what sort of brought me back into mainstream gaming. During the college years, I'd sort of gotten out of it a little bit, gotten more into the film side of things and then uh, Bioshock Infinite, because of its great storytelling, probably, is really what got me back into games. And obviously, that great storytelling comes from Ken Levine. So I am a fan of Ken Levine. I haven't played System Shock 2. I haven't played Thief. I haven't even played all of Bioshock. But I'm a fan of his writing in, in Bioshock Infinite and really respect what he's done for video games. Now, he's probably completely right that his studio is a rounding error for Take-Two. Like They are so insignificant in the financial side of things for that publisher that it really isn't going to be a big deal no matter matter how long they take. However, I'm sure that's really excessively frustrating for the employees working on the game because they still want to finish a game, right? Now, this sort of issue isn't uncommon for the uber creative types. Now, I was looking at their website, a guy named or woman, I honestly actually don't know, but the picture the silhouette was of a of a guy, so I'm going with that. Uh Zeb Waddell is the executive producer listed on Ghost Story Games' website. I looked at his IMDb. Uh, Aside from some shovelware Connect games, his only credit is as a senior producer on Shadow of Mordor. So I'm not really sure that this is the right kind of person to keep such a massive personality like Levine on track. He is sort of a little bit eccentric. He's a very, you know, he's, he's your typical creative auteur type. And so you need a producer who knows what they're doing and can really manage a project uh, a project to keep that kind of guy on track. I don't know if Zeb Waddell is the right person for this job. And take two, if it does become something they want to look into, may want to look into specifically hiring. You know, it, it's not great when a publisher steps in on development, but it might just be time to put a, a producer in there. 
Yeah, I, I think you made some really great points and I want to expand on a couple of them. First off, talking about them being a rounding error and agreeing with that. I, I saw an interesting, now this is not like confirmed, but I saw a kind of a Redditor, I saw it on this uh, kind of going through and trying to do the math a little bit on how insignificant that this <laughs> this company or this like studio is within Take-Two. They're talking about how uh, basically based on this idea that Grand Theft Auto Online apparently makes $2.5 uh, million a day. Oh, my God. And so in that idea, um, even if uh, they were saying basically, even if everyone at the studio at, at Ghost Story made $100,000 a year and they had development costs and other stuff in there, it probably cost me $5 million a year to kind of run the studio. And that's what Grand Theft Auto Online makes in two days. Wow. So like it really means that's one game. Even if that, yeah. So, I mean, even if that's not exactly the number, I think that gives an idea of basically how insignificant it is for take two to, you know, may as well keep Ken Levine and his team on the, on the payroll. Right. And eventually when he poops out a great idea, something kind of magical and, and something that, you know, really grabs people, then, Hey, they'll own it. They'll be on the ground floor and they can say that was a take two project. So it, it's not a bad idea. I'll also say just in terms of, uh, you know, auteur stuff and, and, and executive producers, I definitely saw that was a big complaint from a lot of people basically saying that was the only reason why Bioshock Infinite even got made because they'd cracked down and sent someone in there and said, listen, you have to finish this game. And they had to kind of scramble together pieces of the game to make a new game because they couldn't really finish the game but like they made it good enough that it worked and people really loved it and it was well received uh but ultimately yeah you need someone strong at the helm because i think in general o2 kind of people don't work well in large projects it's not i mean it's not ideal to have someone who is such a creative you know g- magical creative genius working on like projects that take hundreds of people and take you know, years and years and years and are these huge undertakings cost millions of dollars. It's tough. I, I think that's not always, those two things don't always mesh together. And while there are auteurs, like, you know, we got Neil Druckmann and we have Hideo Kojima and there's, there's definitely, and, and Ken Levine, they exist. But yeah, they, I think there also needs to be heavy amounts of management and project management behind it. And it doesn't sound like that's what's happening here, which is, that's that's business, baby. But it's unfortunate. It's important to remember too that development hell can mean many different things. You can have Skull and Bones development hell. You can have <laughs> Beyond Good and Evil 2 development hell. You can have this kind of development hell, which could just be that they can't get the story right. And yep. maybe there's some game mechanic that they want to that they want to have as a as a part of this game. Like it's some sort of revolutionary game mechanic that just for whatever reason fundamentally doesn't work with the story they want to tell, and they're trying to figure out how to make that work. Like it could be many different things. But at the end of the day, it's disappointing. I've been waiting for this game ever since he went and started his own his own group with sort of the leftovers of Irrational Games and started on this project. I've been very curious about it. And there were rumors that there might be something at the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it's nearing the end of that period of development hell. and Maybe they're getting ready to say something about it. I'm sure... As much as they are a rounding error, take two at some point does probably want to see the fruits of this at some point. Otherwise, they'll just be like, shit or get off the pot. <laughs> you yeah, know? for sure. So I, I'm still excited for it. Who knows what development hell means exactly in this case. But I do hope that they can send someone in there to get Levine on track. Because when he when Levine is at his best, he's really, really fucking good. But he probably does need that person to poke and prod and say, like, all right, let's let's get going. Let's 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 move on to the next step. You know? Yeah, I, I think a lot of these good games. Right. I mean, there's so many people in the process that are responsible. Not. And, and I think that, yeah, the creative leader is important. But I think there's so many pieces that are also important. And one of those people 
is the people or or several of those people are the people who can keep that person in line, keep that person on a deadline. And uh, that's just not what we're seeing right now. So, you know, I think maybe articles like this are probably going to maybe light a fire under take two's butt a little bit, maybe just because it's looking kind of bad on them and their management that this is kind of happening and getting out everywhere. And also specifically talking about the employees coming out anonymously and saying like Ken Levine's kind of like a dick to them too. And I feel like it's maybe just like they're going to be like, okay, we're going to get someone in to clean this up because uh, this is getting out now that it's getting kind of sketchy. Over there. Every time you you pull that slot machine lever on NBA 2K, you you keep the lights on an extra day at Ghost Story Games. <laughs> it's perfect. Every time you buy a shark card for uh, an Xbox 360 version of uh, GTA, you can't <laughs> yeah. even you can't even use it anymore. You keep the lights on. All right. Moving on, talking about Square Enix. Oh, Square Enix, they're kind of the good guys right now. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see about that. Square Enix says it hopes NFTs and blockchain become a major trend in games. Uh, the president of Square Enix, Matsuda, said he believed that blockchain games, quote, hold the potential to enable self-sustaining game growth by pushing a play to earn concept. Oh, no, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> Here's another quote here from the same article or the letter, sorry, that uh, Matsuda released saying, quote, I realize that some people who play to have fun and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservations towards these new trends and understandably so. However, I believe that there will be a certain number of players or people whose motivation is to play to contribute, by which I mean to help make the game more exciting. Traditional gaming has offered no explicit incentive to this latter group of people who are motivated strictly by such inconsistent personal feelings as goodwill and volunteer spirit. <laughs> Matsuda then went on to explain that Square Enix could develop their own cryptocurrency to be used for their games. Okay, let's unpack here a little bit of what we've got. Um, so, I mean, I think the big thing that's really interesting to look at here and talk about is this weird thing about playing to have fun. but you know, I mean, he's got a point. There's a point to be made about gaming to build something. There's so much like the modding community and there's people who are really involved in like creating things and sharing those online and creating seeds for maps and Minecraft, you know, stuff like that. There's a, there's a very creative side to that, but aren't going to, you know, code and develop their own games due to resources, whatever. So I see in that scenario that it makes sense to talk about how maybe not rewarding them, but, you know, kind of giving them something out of that, but also just pay them money then if that's something you want to do or give them in-game point why nft i just i just and i and i also don't like the concept inconsistent personal feelings like goodwill and volunteer spirit <laughs> sounds so weird and alien like very japanese businessman kind of speak here a little bit of yeah. like such inconsistent feelings feelings are inconsistent and not important we need to focus on something more concrete matt what do you think about uh, cryptocurrency and square enix games I mean, what they're saying sounds like just make a big sandbox type multiplayer game and that can exist in that space. I don't know why it has to go as far as a cryptocurrency and NFT, although Squeenix Bucks does sound kind of cool. <laughs> oh, no. Look, if this if this is something that ends up getting introduced to something like Final Fantasy 14, you're going to be looking at a speed run fall from grace. <laughs> I like that. And I don't know if Yoshi P is gonna allow that sort of thing to happen but again at the end of the day he might not have any say in that i yep. think that this is i sort of made my opinion clear on this a couple weeks ago in that i think that there is a certain i think there's a certain potential space for something like nfts as 
essentially a replacement for cosmetics. If that's if if microtransaction cosmetics are something that already exist and are here to stay, I think that there is a potential place for an NFT replacement for that in some games, in some spaces of gaming. But here I think the the issue is, and I have to cut in and say, why does it have to be an NFT? Why does it have to be registered on blockchain? Why does it have to be a, like in a ledger? Why does it have to be independent from the game? If it's a game cosmetic, right. upload it to the game servers and make it game currency. Why is it an independent real life cryptocurrency in that scenario? Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's and, that, issue, and that's right? fair. The one thing I did see in relation to that is the idea in which you can take items from one game and bring them into another game because it's an NFT. Now, the argument was like, well, companies aren't going to allow that because then you're taking money that you spent in their game and, and taking it somewhere else. However, if companies are taking something off the top on the sale of the NFT, then I think there's potential for them saying, yes, maybe players take some NFTs from our games, bring them to other games and sell them there. And then the other game acts as the broker so we don't get a cut. But in a competitive sense, they might say, well, we're going to entice players to bring their NFTs to our game so that they sell them within our game, make some system for that. And then, you know, they get they get the cut from NFTs that were originally bought in other games. Now, that all sounds nuts and crazy. Sounds and crazy confusing. Like what? I, I buy a cape in Fortnite and then I can wear it in Anthem or something. Like how does that right. even work? And then like, we're getting we're really he, the problem with this sort of thing is that you're starting to get away from gaming fun. and you're you're getting into <laughs> yes and you're getting into finances and trading of actual currency. Which what I you're don't getting think, into is the metaverse. You're getting into the metaverse here, right? You're getting into the metaverse and you're getting into dangerous territory if it's a game that is being played by kids too so again i still think that there's a potential place for this sort of implementation in certain areas of gaming but it's not a one-size-fits-all all these companies cannot be introducing nfts and just throwing them into games willy-nilly without thinking about it and just doing it as a cheap way to earn some money. I think that's ridiculous and stupid and it's irresponsible and it sets a bad precedent and it's it'll, it good. sets a bad precedent and it'll, it'll blow up in their face. And, and if they ever did try to introduce it in some sort of good way, in some responsible way in the future, it'll never work because they got into, they got in early trying to just make an easy buck. Now I think that's probably what's going to happen. So I don't think NFTs are going to be long lasting in games. I don't think gamers are going to take to them as much as gamers will poo-poo on a trend and then it, the trend happens anyway, like games as a service, just because the majority of casual gamers are into it. NFTs are not casual. Like that is not something that a casual player pays, atten pays attention, a casual person pays attention yeah. to. Um, so I, I just don't really see it catching on. And I think it's stupid for Square Enix to even say it right now. I don't know if this was part of like a shareholder meeting or something. It was like a letter. I don't know if it was to investors or if it was just to... Right. Like it's just, it's stupid to talk about. It's especially when I guess your prominent product right now, which is Final Fantasy 14 is doing so well. Why would you even right. risk On that? consumer goodwill and like gamer yeah. goodwill, like, like, uh, you know, pretty intense. Anyway, it, it, it's silly. It's, it's a weird thing. We'll have to see They sound pretty gung ho though. So we'll have to follow that up because that's interesting to check out. All right, moving on to something way, uh, way different. <laughs> Rare developers reportedly spotted unlocking GoldenEye Xbox achievements. Remember GoldenEye, Matt? I do. I loved it. It was a great game. And then in, in the Xbox 360 era, Rare tried to 
do a, a remaster of that. The rights were a mess. That didn't really happen. Well, you know, they said that's probably never going to see the light of day. There was a leak of that last year, actually, where we got to have some people could get the files and play the leaked version that was kind of unfinished. So, you know, that was something we thought maybe that was probably all we're going to see. But now, according to True Achievements, two users have unlocked GoldenEye Xbox achievements so far. Big Sheep and Xtina McGrath. The gamer tags appear to belong to Rare's lead engineer, James Thomas, and community head, Christina McGrath. The list also includes, this is very important, a thousand, uh, what is it, gamer points? What do you gamer score. A, game, a thousand gamer score of achievements uh, and not 200. Gamer points. Gamer, I don't, well, it's 100 G, a thousand Gs. Well, G, oh, G, oh, Gs. Uh, and not 200 gamer score as would have been used for the version once planned for Xbox 360's Live Arcade, which indicates potentially this could have been something that was developed or whatever their plan could be something developed for Xbox One or newer, which is kind of interesting. Do we think this mythical Xbox One version of the game is real? And if it's real, do we think it could ever see the light of day? Could it be released? Or does it matter? What do you think? Man, I don't know. It, it's weird that that Rare would like still have rights to like publishing this sort of thing for for some reason that's weird to me yeah um i know that io interactive is doing a 007 game that i think might actually be something about that was leaking i don't know if like there's news coming soon about that yeah but this whole thing is i just don't think regardless i don't think it's that big of a deal do you think it was just a couple like rare developers maybe popping on to play like a weird demo they had and accidentally left like gamer score on or something <laughs> Yeah, I actually do think that's possible. Yeah, I think I think th that's probably it too. This could be a small project within Rare that never even gets released. I don't know. I, I you brought up the question you have in the notes. Uh, maybe they have to change the likenesses. Like I saw some people talking about this that they could maybe release this game with different naming, with different likenesses. Like it's not like you know Goldeneye 007. The game really like accurately showed you Pierce Brosnan. It doesn't matter, right? Were you thinking like put in like Daniel Craig or it's like not even 007? Not even just or just like it could be maybe 007. But in that scenario, just be a generic character they make up or something. Right. It doesn't need to be an actor that we know or someone who they had to pay the likeness of. Right. But it could not even be could just be spy guy or whatever. But it's clearly golden. eye. I don't know. It's weird. The whole 007 nostalgia thing, while it's it's a big deal and I have a lot of nostalgia for it. The actual game is so overrated. Like going back now. Even if you play, uh, I think there was a version like, I don't know, 10 years ago that was like a remaster where it had like modern controls. Yes. I don't know. It's just like a, it's, it's a normal first person shooter. Goldeneye was such a big deal because it revolutionized multiplayer first person shooters, but it's not like it, you know, as a game nowadays, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up at all. No. Sure. It'd be cool if there's like a remastered version that's like a $15 game or something like that. And maybe I would pop in and, and play play a little bit of it just you know for nostalgia and to see like old areas reworked i guess one thing that that just crossed my mind what if it'd be cool if they hired that guy who worked on the uh the far cry remember the far cry 5 map editor and he created the the golden eye he did like a golden eye remaster in far cry 5 map editor i do remember something like that yeah be cool if they like hired him on there and it did something with that that'd be kind of cool that's cool. probably the biggest story for me that would come out of this, to be yeah. honest. I just think it's kind of funny. What a slip up, I feel like, to show that if it was an accident, which it feels like it was maybe um, kind of a slip up to to have them like show that they're getting gamer score in the game. And then just you get a lot of like weird harassment from gamers now who are like, well, you were playing the game. Why can't I play the game? It's like, well, I wasn't really playing the game. You know, it's just, <laughs> just 
testing something out. Yeah, gotta turn that off. This happens sometimes, and this happens with the trophies on PlayStation sometimes. Gotta mention PlayStation, Matt. You just gotta mention you know, PlayStation you know trophies. It. Uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite auteur, Hideo Kojima, who announces plans for a, quote, radical project. Via Twitter, Kojima announced, quote, This year, I'm going to start a new work in earnest and move to the next level of experimentation with a radical project. I'm also hoping to get the video team going. Good. And I may start doing something like a radio project? Question mark. <laughs> okay. Uh, in a recent interview with Famitsu, Kojima wrote, quote, Streaming will certainly change the entertainment industry. And also we had some other stuff, you know, Kojima talking about a couple of major games he's working on this year. We had the streaming project, the cloud project with Xbox possibly here going on. He's talking about how streaming is going to change the entertainment industry. We got a radical new project, video, radio. What is going on with Kojima? And what on earth is a radio project as it pertains to gaming? Matt, do you have any idea what any of this means? I feel like, you're, you know, you went down the blue box hole. I don't know if I like oh. that terminology. You went down, you follow Blue Box Productions, you follow some Kojima conspiracy stuff. Do you have any idea what any of this means? No, I have no idea what a... When when he says radio <laughs> project, the only thing I'm thinking of is like a radio play. Yeah, because I thought advertisement at first, but it's not what he's clearly not talking about. He's talking about a, a, a project, like an actual right. work of some kind. I don't know. I have no idea. I think Ko- Kojima j- is just like saying shit. Yeah. He, he kind of always does this. I don't think that we're getting any insight into what he's actually doing on future games with any of this. I think it's just like Kojima saying, it would be really cool to do this one thing and it might not ever happen and yeah. maybe it will happen. Maybe it'll be integrated in a small way into his next game. I think Kojima just says stuff. He tweets a lot. He posts on Instagram a lot. So he he says a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what to, to make this. I, who the hell knows what a radio project is? He I really said like that. Yeah. He's hoping to get the video team going. I don't, is that a translation thing? Does he mean like the movie production side of Kojima productions? I don't know what he means by that. Did he mean video game team? I, what, or, Kojima, or like a cinematic, like, like a new team? Like, is he getting the cinematic working like team who makes cinematics or something like that? Is he getting them working or is he making a new video team specifically for that? Not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, I, I agree with the translation. Maybe that was something like that. But yeah, it's radio projects weird. I feel like you're totally right. It's one of those things where Kojima is just kind of like, oh, imagine there were like a thing. He's like in a thing with all his friends, a room. He's talking to Jeff Keighley. He's talking to you know Giancarlo Esposito is there for some reason. <laughs> talking about dictators so like Giancarlo, you gotta relax. And Kojima's sitting there just like, you know, it'd be cool as if somehow we could like make a game out of like a radio show where like somehow it like you do something on the radio and it makes a game happen and they're like <laughs> and then he just says some shit like this and it's like okay are you gonna make that no nah, okay cool all right good idea uh anyway crazy shit a radical project is i mean means nothing he, he said something like this last everything week, he does too. is a radical project yeah they're all pretty they're all pretty interesting especially now so yeah like you said before we're probably getting some death stranding follow-up stuff at least announced this year i still think we might get something in the vein of well some project with guillermo del toro maybe maybe something like silent like horror horry not necessarily silent hill i don't know We'll have to see. I think it's going to be a big year for Kojima, though. I think he's been sitting on stuff for a while. I, I think like Death Stranding Director's Cut was like, you know, a, a cool thing that they made. And he was excited to put that out and, and really clean that up. But I think it's been a while since a new big project got announced. And there's a lot of hype right now for it. So I think at least by the end of the year, we're going to hear about something really, really big here. 
I would love to see a like a PSX style PlayStation event in December of this year. Like they they usually hold it in December, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. you know, have that sort of event and then have Kojima, you know, announce his big next project there. That'd be kind of cool. Be really, really cool. All right. Let's move on to talk about VR for a second. We talked about VR the other day and how, you know, much Oculus Quest 2 and VR in just in general is taking off. Well, mass production of PSVR 2 will begin soon in China. Well, that's according to, sadly, it's Bradley on Twitter. <laughs> Matt, what do you think of this? Are you going to be picking up a PSVR 2? I mean, I know the answer is yes. And what do you think of this rumor? Is this, does this kind of line up with where you think, you know, the, the industry is going? I mean, you know, there's been a lot of rumors about PSVR. I think we've all been waiting for a long time. Is it finally time? Well, we just talked the other day about how VR grew a ton just on Christmas Day this year. Or I guess last year uh, yeah. alone. <laughs> And so I think PSVR, I think PSVR 2, the, the, the fires have been, the, the, cold, the irons have been in the fire. Is that the saying? <laughs> the, the, it's been ready the to go for a while. fire is stoked. Yeah. I think, I think they've been ramping it up for a while. And uh, according to this, mass production is beginning soon. So yeah, I fully expect we're going to get an announcement for this thing in the spring. And then we're going to see a release set for holiday 2022. Now, whether it makes it, I don't know what sort of supply chain issues would, would it have to do with VR? I don't know if, if they would have any major issues with that, but then again, VR doesn't sell a ton of units, especially right away. It's going to be pretty expensive, I'm sure. So, and you probably have to, you have to own a PS five to have it, which not, you know, I mean, they definitely are selling yeah. them, but it's still kind of a hot topic and hot item to get. So it's going to even probably, you know, make it even harder to like, or less likely for people to go out and buy a PSVR two the day it comes out. By the way, I hope that is the case. I, I know that they're releasing games cross-gen still. I really hope that PSVR two is not cross-gen it will be significantly held back it'd be such a waste it would be so they have psvr is more than enough for what ps4 is that should just right, stay right. that way and with the way that vr is going and how fast it's it's growing technologically but now also growing with a user base i really think that they need to put that thing on on ps5 only and i'm really excited for it i think it's going to be pretty good psvr itself was a really good vr system especially for the price uh when you when you compared it to other vr systems at the time so i'm excited for it i think they're gonna really ramp it up i think it's gonna be way better than psvr1 and um yeah i, I love i love this trend with with vr and, and how it's growing and i think psvr2 is just gonna be the next step in that yeah, I really, really love that. And I think, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting into VR uh, maybe this year, maybe next year. I, I don't know if it'll be with PSVR 2. It does seem like, you know, PlayStation 5 and PSVR, I mean, as expensive as it all is, is probably one of the best budget VR setups you could probably get. Like, it's one of the better values for for what it's going to you know, deliver, but I might still, I'm thinking of maybe getting an Oculus Quest 2 or something, just like a standalone VR thing to try out the space. I've never owned any VR equipment, so it might be kind of cool to do that. I saw a really cool person on TikTok. I'll have to shout him out someday, but uh, it was this woman who's doing VR and she does these cool videos where she has a green screen around her VR, her whole room VR setup, and then oh. she like layers in the VR 
effect into Whoa. her standing there doing the stuff. So you see her like standing on like things that's moving her around the room and all this stuff. And it looks so cool. But then if you like, she like, you know, if you take it off, it's just her standing in her room in a green screen doing nothing. But mm-hmm. it's so cool. It was a really cool idea. And it made me, I just watched that today and I was like, oh my God, I got to get into VR, man. I was watching her play Beat Saber and I was like, that looks, you know what? It just looks like a great way to, you know, talk about like, you know, New Year's resolutions, everything. It looks like a great way to exercise and just move around. And, and it just looks like a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm excited for VR to take off more. I think PSVR is just going to make it more accessible than it. I mean, I, I, I almost say PSVR initially would make it more accessible. Now with standalone stuff like Oculus Quest 2, I actually think this will probably be, I mean, accessible, but not the most accessible way to get into VR now that you can just get standalone VR headsets, but definitely to get into like high end VR. I think this will be one of the better ways. Also, I just listened to uh, the I, I was just listening to the game groups that I wasn't on a few weeks oh. ago when you were talking about the Matrix uh, PS5 experience thing. Yes. Uh, which I, we didn't really talk about, but I heard you talking about it. And it, it just, I love, I also thought that it would be nothing. And I didn't even know it was that cool until I heard you talking about how amazing it is. And yeah. I was just thinking about like, imagine taking that and the pirates on the PS5 and then putting that on a PSVR too. And, and you're basically in the matrix. They're, they're like <laughs> a year away from that. And that is insane to me. Uh, and I think that's so, so cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what like Unreal Engine and VR and all this stuff can come together and, and make. I, I think we're, I think we're getting, I think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to get some creepy stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. We're almost there. All right, let's move on. Control our hype machines here and talk about something I don't think either of us are particularly hyped for, but we thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> Drive Club director confirms he'll reveal his next game this year. This article comes from Video Games Chronicle. Paul Rushtinsky says, to set some expectations, I'm not working on a racing game. So sorry. No Drive Club sequel, MotorStorm successor, or Onrush offshoot. This is something very different to anything I've worked on before. I haven't super followed Drive Club. I know it has a huge cult following, I think, Drive Club. But that being said, not something I've followed a lot, but it's pretty interesting to see someone with such a pedigree in racing games and and pretty you know well loved and and various racing games to do something that's just not even a racing game at all that's so weird to me or a driving game i have no clue what it would be of course because all i would look at is driving games and assume that would be what his next thing is so without that i have no idea what it's going to be but it is kind of interesting to see i always think it's so interesting to see gaming developers decide to just do something completely out of their wheelhouse pardon the pun and yeah, I'm just excited to kind of see what comes out of that. It'll be, hopefully it works out for them. Yeah. I don't really have anything to say on this other than it does. It feels reminiscent of playground games, uh, working on yeah. the, the fable reboot, <laughs> you know, f- oh, the, yeah. the, the Forza horizon developer, uh, working on the fable reboot, hopefully in the Forza horizon engine. Yeah, all they've done is Forza Horizon, and now they're making Fable. So it's kind of cool. I think, I mean, we haven't seen how Fable's going to turn out, but I think it is cool to see uh, that happen, and it doesn't mean it will be bad. So exciting. Good for you guys. Change it up. All right, and final story of the day, just a heartwarming tale here. Shaquille O'Neal, Big Shackers, gave out 1,000 PS5s and Nintendo Switches to underprivileged children on Christmas Day. What a stand-up fella. The Big Shacta Claus. Yeah. Oh, Shaq kind of sounds like a like a crab monster a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, this is this is great. Shaq, by all accounts, is just a great guy. So, yeah, this is not surprising. You know, he he does this sort of stuff often where he just uses his his wealth for for great, great things. uh, Very philanthropic 
And yeah. so, yeah, this, this is great to see. Now, I do want to know, like, where he found a thousand PS5s. Is he paying all these scalpers? Is he keeping them in business? Right. Also, how many was this a thousand of each or a thousand combined? How I want to know how many of these are PS5s, how many are Nintendo Switches? Maybe it was 999 Switches and one PS5. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> or, and also another question I have, Shaq, where the fuck is the Xbox? Oh, he's not a fan, maybe. Where's the Xbox here? I wonder if maybe, yeah, maybe he had a falling out. I, I feel like him and Steve Ballmer might have had words like, oh, like 15, like 15 on the years court. ago. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, and maybe like 15 years ago and he's like, nah, nah, I hate, <laughs> I, hate I forever hate Microsoft. It, it's possible. They have a lot of basketball dealings. You never know. So anyway, interesting to look at. Uh, cool, cool stuff, Shaq. A uh, little disappointed, uh, you know, no Xboxes, but I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you because this is extremely nice. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, though, where he got all those PS5s. Like, does he have a special hookup? Can he get them before other people? I mean, uh, listen, obviously, in my mind, underprivileged kids through Shaq, of course, should have first dibs at the PS5s. But I feel like there are a lot of gamers out there who are like, I wasn't asked if one of these people, <laughs> right. I could, I'm on a list. I'm on a list to get a PS5 and Shaq got them before I did. It's like they're for underprivileged kids. I don't, I don't care. They went to Shaq. There's, there's some people who might want to attack the Shaq right now. I hope he gave them some games. Otherwise they'll be spending 70 bucks for a, for a PS5 game. Well, yeah. I also, I, I worry about like digital downloads and things like that. I hope there's hope like, like Astro's no playroom internet. kids. Cause it's all you're going to be playing. Like paying, is he playing, paying for like a year of Comcast or something for them to be able to download all their games? Yeah. And what are you, what are you doing? I, I don't want to be, I don't want to poo poo. I'm just thinking like, you know, it's, you know, I, it's definitely one of those things where you, you want to get kids like, you know, it's not just like, oh, give them food or if you want to give them like something they can enjoy, you should be enjoying life, even if you're, you know, in poverty and things like that, having issues. Right. But, but I think that, yeah, it's tough when you get into like this really high tech things that we're starting to get. It's no longer just giving a kid an N64 and a bunch of games. It's like, oh, you might need to get online. You might need to have a subscription service to like properly enjoy some of these things interesting interesting it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving taking a little bit <laughs> in some of these things but anyway that's i'm not trying to i'm not trying to be too negative here just interesting stuff all right moving on to the end of the show actually matt oh that's it wow final segment of the day <laughs> if you enjoy out there you i'm talking to you right now listening to the show if you enjoy gg replay you can head over to goodnightgroups.com and check out all of our content including this show game groups our all-encompassing gaming podcast our youtube channel with southern fried groups our twitch channel twitch.tv slash goodnightgroups and more there's a blog we just did a game of the year post that you want to check out i won't tell you our game of the year you have to go over there and check it out it's the top of our website you want to see we picked a pretty interesting one and we all wrote a little blurb about it. So look at that. It's almost like we're a real gaming website. Would you look at that? If you like what we do, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash goodnightgroups, where we have three different support tiers. The $3 plus tier will get you early access to game groups. You can listen to it on Friday as opposed to Sunday. And of course, plenty of other perks. You can check that out again over at patreon.com slash goodnightgroups. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, if you can give us a five or a you are listening to this on a podcast. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, especially Apple Podcasts, if you can give us a five-star review, it's very helpful. And we appreciate everyone doing that. Matt, do you have anything else to say before we head out of here for the first 2022 episode of GG Replay? So there's this thing in the NFL and college football where the head coaches have, they call them get-back guys. They're like strength coaches that act as a get-back guy, meaning if the head coach gets out too far onto the field because he's trying to communicate with players or yelling at a referee or whatever. This this guy's job is to grab them and pull them back on the <laughs> sideline. Right. Ken Levine, if you need a get-back guy, <laughs> give me a call. I'll be your get-back guy. 
there you go. Uh, just send an email to uh, goodnightgroofs at gmail.com and uh, Matt will gladly be your get back guy. Maybe get back guy at gmail.com. You should try to get that uh, email and maybe you can just, <laughs> we'll, we'll slip a card into Ken Levine's pocket, take a little trip down to uh, old California way. I don't know if that's where he is, I assume, maybe. <laughs> that's going to be it for today's GG Replay 4. They were Monday. in Boston. Yeah, well, very different. Thing. Irrational was in Boston. Da Bears. Uh, <laughs> that's Boston. No, it's not. It's Chicago. <laughs> oh, no. That's going to be it for today's GG Replay 4. Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Make sure you check out Game Grooves that came out yesterday. Uh, but until then, we are going to be back on Wednesday with another replay. Until then, again, good night, Grooves. <laughs> <laughs>